Yeah, they're going to argue over square footage and they're right. going to argue over where it can happen. But let me mention this. The key is the default. See, the default for Albuquerque right now is no, you can't convert a hotel. No, you can't convert a commercial building to real estate. No, you can't have a casita. And we want to shift, at least for some areas or in certain places where it makes sense, we want to shift that to yes, mm -hmm. but then there's always, you know, you can object and so forth. I mean, that's still going to be there. It's about changing the default for how we grow. Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, January 9th, 2023. I'm Lou DeVizio. That was Albuquerque Mayor Tim Keller calling for an open-minded approach to fixing the city's housing crisis. Right now, the city is somewhere between 15 and 30,000 rental units short of where it should be given our demand. Mayor Keller says he's rolling out a plan to help solve that problem. It's called the Housing Forward Initiative and calls for 5,000 new rental units by 2025. That goal still falls short of the city's need, but the mayor says it's a necessary first step and one that needs to happen as quickly as possible. Late last month, New Mexico in Focus host Gene Grant sat down with the mayor to talk about the initiative and some of the other issues related to our housing crisis, things like homelessness and safe outdoor spaces. This past Friday at 7 on NMPBS, we aired two excerpts from that interview. But today on the podcast, you'll hear their entire discussion completely unedited. Here's Gene. Albuquerque Mayor Tim Keller, thank you for being here. Studios of New Mexico PBS, really appreciate it. Good to be with you. Let's talk about your housing ideas. We've got something going on here that a lot of the country is struggling with, Mayor, as you know, not telling you something you don't know, but we are short on housing, particularly affordable housing in a growing community. We have some generational changes. Let's talk about a lot of that. I want to ask you about the Housing Forward Initiative. Now it's a plan to address the city's lack of affordable housing. The city is somewhere between 13,000 and 28,000 units short of our current needs. How did we get here <laughs> uh, so short on housing? <clears throat> you know, it's, it's one of these things that we came out of the pandemic and like you said, all over the country, but also here. And I remember hearing, you know, rents are up 41% and trying to think about, well, what can we do with some right. you know, rent subsidies or housing stabilization? And, and those are still important discussions. Mm -hmm. But then we looked at the numbers and the numbers that you just quoted are staggering for our city. I mean, 30,000 units, right. you know, and this is actually, it's across every spectrum. It's more acute, certainly, and sort of low income and affordable. But the irony is the situation is so bad in Albuquerque, like any house right now is helpful. Right. And so once we saw that the numbers were that big, we said, you know what, we actually have to have a response that matches that. It's not about, it's not a post-pandemic phenomenon for us. I see. We've got basically, I think, about a five-year window to get this right in Albuquerque or else we're gonna have a city that it's much more akin to sort of a Phoenix, you know, you know, suburban track housing sort of situation. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable unless we fix this. And of course that leads to all sorts of other challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, the plan calls for the creation of 5,000 new affordable housing units. Pretty aggressive when you really think about mm -hmm. this. Um, is it possible, honestly, in this short a time period? You know, it is a reach goal. I'll, okay. I'll certainly admit that. But I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to combo uh, getting a situation where the private sector can fill a lot of that gap in the nonprofit sector and then the city doing some on our own. So just very briefly, you know, mm -hmm. a slice is about us buying actually hotels and converting them and changing them to housing. Right. And then also incentivizing partners to do that too. And so we do have some funding to do that. We, we've got sort of a green light between anywhere, you know, two to four hotels we're looking at for doing that. 
And uh, the rest of it is about getting our zoning code in a place where it actually makes sense for both uh, someone who wants to uh, live in, in, a, in a sheltered you know, facility of any kind, uh, whether it's a full-on house or an apartment or a duplex or a casita or whatever, mm -hmm. um, getting that to a place where also it makes sense for the private sector to build them. And so uh, that right now, we're totally upside down as a city in our zoning code. Uh, right now, it's all about a you know, one-story, single-family house. And uh, we need diversity in housing, too. And we need all kinds of types of housing um, to be available and also to be supported by our zoning code. So that's, it's a long, about a six-month window, councils digesting this and the community and so forth. But if you put all that together, I think we can get near 5,000. Mm -hmm. Let me kind of hold that aside, the uh, EDO or the, the planning, how we plan mm -hmm. these things and, and, and put green lights to things for housing. Let me go back to the hotel bit. You say there's about two to four here in town. Can you tell, tell us where those are? Sure. Well, we want to do them. We, we want others to do them, too, uh, whether a lot of nonprofits are involved in this, a lot of housing agencies and so forth. But in terms of the city actually leading it, we know we have funding. Council actually gave us a big chunk of funding to do this. Mm -hmm. And look, converting a hotel. So think of the old rundown hotels on Central mm -hmm. or maybe the ones by Los Altos. Um, you know, there might be some even like the old Desert Hills campus on the uh, west side. Yeah. You know, the idea is it's cheaper and faster, meaning, uh, you know, if you build a brand new set of uh, units, obviously that's the most expensive way to go. Um, and so it also takes the longest. And so if we convert these, you know, typically you have to supply sort of kitchenette type uh, um, uh, changes to the units and so forth, mm -hmm. and then mix in supportive housing um, uh, you know, at like actual, cons if, if they're a behavioral health situation or a mental health situation, you're actually getting sort of that consulting help in there, mm -hmm. in that clinical help, if that's the case. But if it's just folks in general for different types of housing, then you don't need that. So it's mixing all that together with hotels that have the right community space or the right shared kitchen space or, or not. Right. Uh, so it depends on the hotel is the short question. We're sure. in conversation with, I'd say, 10 as a whole. Okay. And I think we'll definitely do two. We want to try and do uh, more. Interesting. Um, I'm interested in, your, in, your, in the sense of office buildings as well, not just hotels. We have a lot of empty office space here. Is that a viable solution for the homeless problem? You know, it is, and this is part of the, you know, I hate to, to I don't want to go down the zoning really boring discussion, but this also is being held up by our zoning code. So we want to make it really easy to convert a commercial uh, building to residential. Mm -hmm. And it does go back to sort of how you have like sinks and kitchenettes and things like this. Right. But we want to set that up because right now, you know, we have many more empty commercial uh, real estate uh, square footage, you know, than we need. And so, and then of course we have high demand for actually residential. So mm -hmm. this makes a lot of sense. And I think in some ways actually government just has to sort of set up the playing field for this and then nonprofits and the private sector can actually do it. But they've been very clear, both anyone in this world will tell you like right now, the city environment, you just can't do this. Mm -hmm. You're, it's all nearly impossible to do the conversion that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, casitas are another aspect of this. Let's know? talk about casitas. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of feedback on casitas, especially <laughs> from our viewership. Yeah. It really rings a bell. Some folks are very much for them. Some folks really are very afraid of them. Any early indications on the size of the casitas that might be allowable? Uh, the size of the lot you would have to have as a minimum size. Are we down the road 
that far? Where should folks be thinking about casitas at this point? So first, I think as a whole, you know, remember casitas are, you know, we always picture them typically for like grandparents right. or, or children. Um, and that's true. And that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually where we need housing also. Uh, and so it's for, you know, the 20 the, the something starting out or, you know, especially even in like mental health situations, you mm -hmm. want uh, that individual, you know, very close to you and so forth. That's that child or that sibling. Um, and then, of course, grandparents and so right. forth. So in a way, it's about also our traditional New Mexico families sure. and how we like to stay together. Yeah. So the, the details around like the size and where and so forth, the good thing is like this is gonna take six months to figure out mm -hmm. and there's all sorts of public meetings and input that already happen as part of the IDO changes. So the answer to your questions are all available, you know, if you just look up, just Google it and you'll see sort of the different forums. Mm -hmm. uh, but none of that's even gonna be really decided until April. But okay. yeah, they're gonna argue over square footage and they're right. gonna argue over where it can happen. But let me mention this. The key is the default. See, the default for Albuquerque right now is no, you can't convert a hotel. Right. No, you can't convert a commercial building to real estate. No, you can't have a casita. And we wanna shift, at least for some areas or in certain places where it makes sense, we wanna shift that to yes, mm -hmm. but then there's always, you know, you can object and so forth. I mean, that's still gonna be there. It's about changing the default for how we grow. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the North Valley folks that we hear from are especially concerned about the casita idea, meaning there are casitas in place. If you go through the North Valley, mm -hmm. I, they're everywhere. <clears throat> as a matter of fact, as an ex-builder, I built some years ago, 20 years ago, and, and but it's a it can be a difficulty to build a casita on a private, small lot. It, there's a lot of interruption for the neighbors. All these things yet to be decided. Or, or are you comfortable that we can get the casita idea off the ground here with all the objections that might in fact happen? You know, I am only because I do believe in sort of the the power of actually policy making. Okay. And uh, we're gonna debate this and work it out in terms of even, yeah, the spacing and like how big right. your lot has to be. So all of those are now, there's a first placeholder that went to the EPC, this committee that sort of starts with that. So they have the placeholder, but we know they're gonna change it and then council might change it. Right. And there's also like historic overlays. So, you know, any neighborhood, like a lot of the North Valley neighborhoods are not, it's not gonna apply to them anyway, because they already have historic overlays on top of it. I so I think there really uh, in a much better situation because they've already dealt with these issues. Mm -hmm. But when you think of just the vast sort of, you know, midtown area or you think about areas on the west side, they don't have historic overlays and they don't have rules and regulations on this. And mm -hmm. that's really what we need. It's, it's time, you know, mm -hmm. as a city, we're, we're growing up and we got to have policies that match it. That's a key distinction. Um, I got to ask you this question. I've asked some of the guests we've had on this idea of housing so far. Are we ready to go vertical? here in Albuquerque, meaning, just like you said a few minutes ago, we can't keep <clears throat> spreading Phoenix-like with single-story, quarter-acre lots, but there's a lot of resistance here to going above a certain sort of a height. Mm -hmm. or, or, or is it time for us to change on that, and can we change in going vertical? You know, I think what came out of uh, my realization this summer from reading the studies is that we have to. It's, it's actually not really a choice. Okay. You know, the only choice is then to have like, you know, it would, it would, it would sort of create like Berlin and Las Lunas would be these giant cities, you know, 30 years from now, right. uh, if we keep going the way we're going. Uh, so, I mean, if you, if you actually believe in Albuquerque as sort of the, the metro center and the commercial center for the state of New Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have to grow up a little bit. But the good thing is, you know, where we do that, how high is high, you know, right. three stories or five stories, 
I think we can actually take that, you know, uh, in a gradual way and through a public process. And I'll give you an example, you know, Edo, uh, which now, I mean, we even say the word Edo and we don't have to say what it means. Right. You know, 10 years ago, I remember people like, what does Edo mean? And when we redid the zoning in there, this was part of it. We allowed people to go up uh, more stories. Right. And so I think, you know, we can also do it tactfully and smartly in the areas of town where it makes sense. Okay. And the good thing is, one thing we do have is a robust planning and zoning process, you know. So none of this ever happens without, you know, years of debate and policy making. Right. And so that's appropriate. And so I do think though, these are the issues we do have to face. Because when you're short 30,000 houses, right. you, just, you, you can't avoid it. So either rents are gonna skyrocket and price everyone out, or we're gonna get this bizarre dynamic where we're this tiny little city surrounded by huge suburbs. Right. Is this an opportunity for more density, in fact? If we do this smart, can we pack people in, not to make that sound like it's you know, <laughs> sardines, but you know what I'm saying, there's, there's, there's benefits to neighborhoods being very closely packed together. Is that part of the process in your planning here, Mayor? Were you thinking we can get to some kind of urban density, which changes transportation issues, mm -hmm. changes a lot of different issues out there. Yeah, and it makes things like, I mean, the rail trail that we're building, which is a pedestrian parkway, I mean, that becomes meaningful for commuting right. if you have density around there. And I would say this, look, our city, there's some really good news here. It's the right time for Albuquerque to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, cities, Boston, other cities, San Francisco, I mean, they're way too late. Like, it's all too far gone. Right. But when I think about density, infill is really important. And mm -hmm. we all can drive around town and see dilapidated warehouse areas that uh, could be used for a better use. And right now it would be for housing. So I think there absolutely is opportunity for infill and, and by definition that's going to increase density. But then you get the other aspects, the benefits around it of public transit and so forth. And, and for us, you know, even whether it's police and fire coverage, that's always going to be a better return on investment than trying to do it way out, you know, in greenfield development, you know, way out on, on uh, you know, sort of the outside of the city where it's very expensive. Sure. But lastly, I would just say the funny thing is, you know, I think this will be done to us anyway. That's how big the problem is. Like we are going to get more dense. Mm -hmm. The question is, are we gonna do it, you know, in a way that is planned and thoughtful and equitable? Or are we just gonna leave it to the rules of the game now, which I think really run the risk of creating, you know, terrible sort of pockets of poorly planned development and transit and public safety and things like this. Right. And so now's the time. I mean, this really is a unique opportunity for our city, probably the most unique in about 50 years since the 70s, mm -hmm. where we can define what the city's gonna look like for the next 70 years. Mm -hmm. As we sit here in the late in the year, December, uh, rents have spiked, Mayor, as you know, tremendously in the city, tremendously. A lot of folks are really under the gun here financially because of it. How soon can you see relief coming? And the second question, probably the first question is, what do you consider affordable? We hear the administration mm. saying affordable, affordable, affordable. What is affordable in a, in a median in, medium price of rent now is about $1,200 here in Albuquerque. That's yeah. just not affordable for a lot of folks. What is affordable when you talk about <laughs> affordable housing? Well, you know, I think it, it, it does depend on if it's affordable housing for a family, you know, or a single person sure. and, you know, sort of uh, what's on the other end of their utility costs and their transport costs and things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I would leave the dollar number really to the experts or to some of the, the folks that, you know, you talk to uh, on this show. But I would say this one, it's definitely too high. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's sort of two aspects in the short term. We're looking at a rent stabilization fund 
in hopefully in partnership with the state, mm. that because there is a lot of extra money at the state, as we've heard, like this is a great way to use some of it, to just tamp down those rents uh, for several years until the only solution is more housing. I mean, it does go back to more housing at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That's how you really lower rents, is to add more housing. Are, are you talking <clears throat> money going to builders or to renters for rent abatement? Or, or how would you see this money being used? I think rent abatement is in the short term where we've got to go. Now, okay. if there's other aspects of this where uh, we can work it through you know, the owners, I'm open to that too, but it's got to actually bring down rent. Right. Uh, and so this is something we did a little bit during the pandemic. And basically, it's sort of a, another version of that with more money for a longer time period. Mm -hmm. But there's also um, you know, discrimination. And so you know, we have now passed ordinances at the city and have our civil rights office tasked up with uh, renter discrimination. Mm -hmm. In a sense, like if you're getting a voucher and they won't rent to you, uh, that's illegal. And we're now, we're, we are looking to actively prosecute that to make sure that the message is sent that you can't do that. And so that's also part of the puzzle too, because a lot of people are getting, um, you know, we don't, we don't want to say you're part of the housing stabilization fund and then have landlords beg, well, we don't, you know, want that kind of person in our building. We're not going to allow that. So mm -hmm. that there's other aspects that we have to build in to make that fund work. But gotcha. Albuquerque's ready. We've got the civil rights office on that and ready to go. Interesting. Um, Anybody in the legislature ready to carry this for you? Are you expecting some action out of the legislature this session? You know, I am. I know a lot of folks are talking about it. I think Senator Lopez has been uh, talking about this. Right. And so uh, many of the urban senators have mentioned it and, and House reps too. So okay. we don't have, you know, specific bills and so forth lined up. But I know even back right before the pandemic, when, when we again had a lot of extra money, you know, there was even an idea to just make a chunk of it to just build housing and then, you know, lease it out to nonprofits to do this. Right. And that's something, look, we do need this statewide. And so I think the good news is we love an all the above approach. Any right. tool is a good tool. So uh, for the legislature, whatever they want to fund and come up with, we'll back it. Have you had conversations with the apartment builders here about this idea? What was their reaction if, if you have? You know, we've had a couple of uh, different town hall sort of meetings on this, and there's many, many more all the way through April. Okay. But, you know, I'd say it's been mixed, right? Some of them, you know, look, some apartment owners want rents to be high. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest, like it's, it's, it's in their benefit to do that, and I don't fault them for it. I mean, they've made an investment that's paying off and they want it to pay off. So we get a lot of that. I mean, they're worried about, frankly, rents going down. Mm -hmm. um, but we also hear from them that just the demand is too high. They're like, look, right. I, can't, I can't fill all these. And so uh, I would love opportunities to build new facilities and rent them out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I think by and large, actually, they've been very positive uh, about just saying they agree that our, our stock of housing is just too low. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about homelessness for a quick second. I want to back up just a couple of steps. You've been, you've taken your share of grief over the homeless situation, the homeless encampments, other things over the past couple of years. I want to back up just a quick sec, Mayor, and just where do you see the homeless issue actually starting from? What, what's the problem here? Is it drug abuse? Is it lack of income, family problems? Where do you personally see the mm. homeless problem germinating from here in Albuquerque? Well, it's, I think it's a confluence of several things. I know that, that makes it hard. You know, it's not like a politician answer. It's just true. Right. The lived experience of homeless folks is across a wide spectrum. And it has been for a long time. And that's also why it makes it you know, difficult to solve. Right. So um, typically what we know is the, the path into being on the street in mm -hmm. terms of homelessness does involve fentanyl. 
I mean, fentanyl right. is destroying America and it's destroying Albuquerque. Uh, that is abundantly clear and you can actually smell it if you drive around town. I mean, this is how big a deal it is. Now, that's a piece of it, but, but that's usually further down the journey to homelessness. Like, it usually doesn't start with fentanyl. It does start with uh, pressures around things like rent. Mm -hmm. It starts with people trying to get out of domestic violence situations. Mm -hmm. um, it starts with healthcare issues that, again, sort of uh, drain up all the, the, the funds and you know, chronic illness and so forth. There's definitely a mental health piece. There's definitely right. a behavioral health piece for other substance abuse. So all of those are areas. And there is, look, there is also a sliver of, uh, of, of folks who, you know, they've had multiple jobs and they may have, uh, you know, gotten themselves in a place where they just can't get that sustainable job. And it's actually just makes more sense for them to sort of restart. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those things like come into play. But I know the when you see, you know, the encampments and things like this, that's where the fentanyl takes hold. Yes. And that makes it very hard to get people out of that situation because it's more than just saying, let's find you a job sure. or let's find you a place to stay. Yep. You know, they need behavioral health treatment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about safe outdoor spaces. <clears throat> uh, obviously you are the lead face to have this happen here in Albuquerque. Anything you've learned over the last couple of years, there's been so much pushback, so much public input. Have you changed your, your sort of mindset about safe outdoor spaces at this point? You know, the irony about this is I'm not the lead face. Uh, the counselor Bassan, this was her idea. And she came to me and she said, I'd like to try this. And I said, let's go to Denver and take a look. And we looked at it and I said, you know, it's worth trying. I've never said that it's the be all end all to anything. I think it's a small tool mm -hmm. that we should try. Mm -hmm. And again, we're, look, in, in, in Albuquerque, like, we have a lot of challenges. So I'm open to any idea that might work. And Safe Outdoor Spaces is one of them, but I actually think it's a, it really is only applicable to a small amount of folks, but we still should try it. And so the irony about them flip-flopping and then sending me all these bills to kill Safe Outdoor Spaces, mm -hmm. you know, I know what we need most importantly, the biggest thing is the gateway. And that's what I am the face of and I have owned from day one. You know, we've got to get like a quarter of our unhoused in to, to find help. Gotcha. That's not going to happen to safe outdoor space. Right. It will happen. You know, that hospital used to help a thousand people a day with health and healing. And I think by this time next year, it's going to be about doing the same thing. Yes. That will make a noticeable difference. It will help thousands of people every day. Yeah. That's what I'm focused We've on. We've gotten a lot of feedback from the faith community that they're willing with their own property and putting their own money into the situation, they're willing to do safe outdoor spaces. Mm -hmm. Have you had conversations with the faith, faith leadership around town about this? Oh yeah, well now, I mean, fast forward because I've had to veto every measure that tries to kill it. Uh, we have, and actually we, we work with them on their plan and you know, we also subsidize them. So, right. so we, there's a fund that they also, council uh, voted to kill and I vetoed and kept. So we are working with them and um, you know, I'm excited to give it a try. I mean, don't get me wrong, it is a tool that we wanna try. But the volume, you have to look at the volume. If there's 5,000 unhoused, you know, maybe we can help a couple of hundred in safe outdoor spaces. I'll take, I'll take it. We mm -hmm. will change a hundred people's lives. It's worth it to do it. Mm -hmm. But I also know we need to help thousands of people a day. And that's what the Gateway Center is all about. So it's about both. Mm -hmm. And uh, the faith community, by the way, I mean, they've been with, uh, with me and our administration from, you know, COVID to now homelessness. And I'm grateful for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and even, 
you know, Muslim shootings in between. And we have an amazing interfaith community in Albuquerque, and it's something that uh, we pray together uh, and we work together. And it's been a special experience, even for me as mayor. Mm-hmm. I'm interested, interested in knowing or hearing from you your frustration <coughs> level with council right now. Mm. Where, where are you at with city council? You know, believe it or not, on big things, we actually work quite well. Okay. Uh, the budget, I think on these zoning changes for housing, we'll see how it plays out, but right. I think they've been very receptive. And a lot of our votes on major issues have been very bipartisan. Mm-hmm. So uh, ironically, like also, I think, you know, when it matters, I think we've, we've been doing a good job and having a nice, uh, you know, back and forth with respect to policymaking. Mm-hmm. Now, on the small stuff, you know, I do think there are counselors who become much more political. Like their, their whole goal is just to make me look bad. And that's frankly what it sounds like when I watch them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's unfortunate. You know, it's okay. You can, you can take your shots at, at outcomes and activities. But I see it much, much more personal for a couple of counselors and also against city staff. You know, I always hmm. say you can take all the shots you want at me, but like, leave the police alone. Leave our homeless division people, leave them alone personally. Right. You, know, you know, don't criticize that they're not doing enough. Like mm-hmm. these people live and breathe trying to help Albuquerque. And so take it out on me instead. Sure. And uh, so that I think has been the rub and you see that play out in public. And I think that's why people think that uh, you know, relations aren't as good. But I will say this, they have been great on the big issues. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what's most important in the long run. Mm-hmm. Last question, and I want to thank you again for coming in. Uh, are you thinking about a third term? Is that a possibility uh, to finish some of the things you have started? I've known a lot of politicians, and that frustrates them terribly to start something and not be able to get something down the road. Is that something <laughs> that beats in your heart? You were definitely the first person to ask me this one. So, uh, you know, I have said, first off, I do love this job, and I am very sensitive to getting things done. And I know we lost a lot during the pandemic. So I'm absolutely open to it. But, you know, look, it's, I mean, it's three years away. We've got lots of runway. Uh, but, you know, I, I hope as long as people will have me in any position, I, I came, you know, and decided to dedicate my life to public service. And so um, I'm totally open to it, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also know it's a long ways out and it's at the end of the day, you know, not even my choice. So Fair we'll enough. see how much people are interested in the third term. But let me say this. Please. I have those, um, you know, mayors in other mm-hmm. cities, there is a trend for term limits, yes. but it's all three, it's three terms. Uh, in Denver and in other cities, it's not two. And I think it's a reflection of just the length of things like even the rail trail. I mean, that project's going to take like 10 years. Right. Uh, the gateway, I mean, I think we're going to be in a good place in this term. But uh, you do see an acknowledgement around the country. Uh, Louisville is the same way. So th- for mayors, three terms seems to be what people are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Albuquerque Mayor Tim Keller, thank you for coming in, seeing us here at New Mexico PBS. Thank you. Thanks, Gene, and thank you to Mayor Keller for making himself available. This is surely an issue that we will be following in the months and years ahead. Now, taking a look forward to next week, with Martin Luther King Day falling next Monday, we may be a bit behind on the podcast. That's as we get ready for our live broadcast of the Governor's State of the State Address, happening at noon on Tuesday the 17th. You can watch that address live on NMPBS channel 5.1 at noon on Tuesday, that's next Tuesday, or watch it afterwards on our YouTube page or the NMPBS website. As soon as that happens, we will be up and running on our coverage of the 2023 legislative session. Stay with New Mexico in focus throughout the next two months for coverage that you won't find anywhere else during session. 
We'll be keeping up on our social media pages. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, don't miss New Mexico in Focus. That's Friday nights at 7 o'clock on NMPBS. Thanks again, everyone. I'm senior producer Lou DeVizio for Monday, January 9th, 2023. This is New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. Have a great week, everyone.